Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Amy and Abraham. Jesse. Talking with me about the news. I'm so excited to do this. Of course, everyone knows you, Damien Abraham, as I do, as that guy at that annual dad New Year's Eve party that's at 6 p.m. That's how I like to be known. That's what's going to be on my Wikipedia and gravestone, I hope. Also, the singer for the band Fucked Up and host of the Turned Out a Punk podcast, former Fox News panelist. Good to have you here, Damien. <laughs> well, well, I think failed VJ... Fox News panelist twice, three times. These are all my embarrassing things. Food Network host for a minute. I've done a lot of things to avoid having to have a real job, Jesse. I'm glad to add something to your list of embarrassing <laughs> things that you've done. Today, Damien, we are going to discuss the Irving family's Thanksgiving miracle, a refinery explosion. An amazing front page. As legalization looms, we are going to talk about budding cannabis coverage in Canada. Dear God, who writes this? And Damien... We are going to talk about how Faith Goldie continues to game the press into covering her. Mm -hmm. Oh shit, she just did it again. Mm -hmm. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Kristen Telford, Julian Jagdeo, Ian Hamilton, Carl Goenlock, Catherine Lawrence Mansfield, Kevin Godbout, Lisa Silvestre, and David Lindenback. 
I support Canada Land because when I moved here from the States three years ago, I went searching for independent sources of commentary on Canadian media and current affairs. And I was really shocked to learn that Canadians just listen to the same American podcasts that Americans do. So thank goodness that we have Canada Land, which I prefer to call on the media for Canadians. And Damien, as I said, this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, who will send the ingredients for a carne asada beef tostada to your home, which is just fun to say, carne asada beef tostada. My wife used to do deliveries for HelloFresh, so I feel like uh, I'm a brand ambassador, kind of, in okay. my role as guest. Excellent. <laughs> You're a great employer for her. You're also a dad who cooks for your family. Yes. Absolutely. All the time. And um, we've used HelloFresh, too, and it is an amazing service. I'm not, and I'm not being paid for this at all. Nothing. And I can tell you that as someone that cooks, it was really great to have all those ingredients portioned out. So all I had to do was go in with the kids and cook, as opposed to normally where I'm like, okay, we got to measure this now. We got to weigh this out. We got to get everything perfect before we cook this dinner. It's legitimately very convenient. You did not have to say any of those things. You could have just stared at me and glowered menacingly for involving you in this advertisement. But uh, but no, it's a good product. I've used it before. It does make cooking really, really simple and, and it lets you make things like a carne asada, beef tostada for your whole family, which maybe you otherwise would not have gone and bought all those individual ingredients and, and made that. For 50% off of your first box, visit hellofresh.ca slash podcasts and use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. Damien, the front page of the Telegraph Journal newspaper in St. John, New Brunswick, the headline read, Thanksgiving Miracle. And the accompanying image was an oil refinery a blaze, huge explosion, a Thanksgiving miracle. And it is a miracle, I suppose, that such a massive industrial accident could take place without anyone dying. And, and it's the kind of thing, no one else covered it that way. You know, the story is there was a massive, very concerning explosion of this refinery. All other media in the country was just focused on the, the accident itself. But I think that from a different newspaper, you could focus on the fact that nobody died and make that the story, and, and maybe nobody would have blinked. But this newspaper that focused on that angle is owned by the Irving family, who also own the oil refinery and much of New Brunswick. Now, I want to talk about how this played out in the media. Um, I tweeted this and simply stated the fact that here is how the newspaper that is owned by the Irvings covered this explosion at a refinery that is owned by the Irvings. And it was retweeted like a thousand times and people were like, oh my God, looking at, at this obvious conflict of interest. The Telegraph Journal is a completely hard paywalled newspaper. Brunswick News, all the Irving family newspapers are like, you know, you don't, you don't see links to them on social media. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of these stories that people would be like, holy shit. But for the fact that you can't link. The only reason I, I had this was that the public editor of the Telegraph Journal tweets out like a image of the front page. Like you can't click through to these articles. Did you see this? I saw it through you. Like, and that's, it's funny because... You think something like that, like, I mean, the way that story was covered would get more coverage, but the only way I heard about it was through you. And and I think it was shocking when I saw it and especially hearing about the context and knowing about this family and their kind of history in New Brunswick that, you know, we are not more upset about, well, thankfully you were, but that we are not more upset about as a collective country. I mean, this is something that like one of the most popular episodes of Canada Land ever which I thought was going to be one of the least popular, was a conversation with Jack Poitras about the Irving family. And that episode is titled The Family That Owns New Brunswick. And people were struck, they're amazed to hear about this situation with this family in that province. 
And then you kind of forget. And then every now and then you're reminded again. I'll, I'll go through some of the other media fallout of this of this industrial accident. Brett Ruskin, a Halifax reporter for the CBC, uh, he brought our attention to some Irving Oil tweets where the way he summarizes these tweets, Irving Oil apologizes for the explosion and reminds its workers they better show up for their shifts tonight. More weird stuff happened in the wake of this. Nova Scotia's premier, Stephen McNeil, he took a moment to make some comments about this accident. And strangely, he commended Irving Oil. Like in his comments about what happened, he commended them for like they handled it so well. And he like inexplicably commended them on the wonderful auditorium that Irving Oil built that he was speaking in. So this gives you some idea of the influence that this family has. The very next day, Irving Pulp and Paper, they also own the mill there, they pled guilty to pollution charges and they're going to pay a $3.5 million uh, fine, which is like, if it actually gets paid, will be the landmark penalty, which is just nothing yeah. to this family. Damien, it goes on and on. Uh, the company has previously been fined on charges relating to polluting the St. John River in 1999, 2009, and 2010. So I, like, maybe this is a company that like should have some media scrutiny. <laughs> well, they bought that, so don't worry. That's not coming. I find it such a fascinating manifestation of the whole media is dying, you know, paywall the media. Like, this is a family who, this is my opinion here, whether they make money or lose money off of their their monopoly on news, uh, virtual monopoly, CBC is there as well, I think is of such insignificant, you know, like in the grand scheme of of this, this you know, billionaire family, the margin of profit you might make off of doing news and the margin that you might lose matters so much less than what it gains them to have that much control over what gets reported in that province. Oh, very clearly it's a loss leader for them. You know, and it's the same way, I think we're, this is going to come up with cannabis. Like if you can't, if you can't advertise, you can buy the opposition, you know, and you can buy hmm. the media critique. And that's, I think, what's happening now. Like we had, and this comes back to music conversation that we're having off air and about how important these things used to be for us. When you were producing a physical product that people had to exchange for an amount of currency, there was an independence that that brought. Yeah. Now something has to fill that void. And it could be, luckily, you know, donations from a listener, or it could be someone sponsoring you. And then when they start sponsoring you, especially when they're sponsoring the news, they begin to have a say in the content, even if they're doing it passively by saying, well, maybe we'll reduce our sponsorship next time around, or maybe we won't. I think I see what you're saying. Like this whole kind of larger conversation about like, what is news worth? Mm -hmm. We're having, like, it's worth something regardless of whether or not there's a model to get people to pay for it. Because it, and in fact, it might actually be worth a lot more to interested parties that want to control the news mm -hmm. than it is to this other interested party called the public who want to consume the news. The public may not be able to, in a free market of like, who's going to pay for the news, private interests you know, maybe willing to lose a lot of money in order to control this information, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that might dwarf. So, I, you know, I, the threat is not that we're not going to have news anymore because like somebody is going to step into that void to give us information every day. Like people want information every day and they're like, there's no shortage of players out there who are very happy to give us information <laughs> every day, even if it costs the money to do so. Yeah. Well, and it's, and that's the, I think it's Noam Chomsky that wrote about this in when TV was originally set up, they had to give a certain amount of time every day to the public good. And I think that was originally what news was supposed to be. Uh, but then they couldn't advertise during that period. So I guess PBS or public broadcasting was an outgrowth of this, of these corporations, these early media corporations being like, well, we don't really need this time. Let's set up a channel that just does this for us. Yeah. And I, I think we're just going further down that where these companies are now being like, well, who's going to pay us to 
write this news. We have to get someone to pay us to write this news. And what? so what if it's this big corporation that has a lot of stuff that they want to hide? They're still allowing us to give you this news. And otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do that. So this is a good thing. And people eventually, this is where I bring wrestling into it, like kayfabe, even though they know it's not true, just start to have to believe it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm sorry to everybody, including you, Damien, for this, but uh, Faith Goldie, we got a tip on a possible story that we we passed on, which was essentially like, first I passed when I was told, oh, Faith Goldie, she paid uh, Bell, they took her money for some advertisements, and then they gave her her money back and said, sorry, we're not running your ads. And I thought, "Ah, that's okay. Like, uh, what's the story? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, well, there actually might be a story here because, in fact, they may be, the Broadcasting Act might require them to run this. She is a, a candidate for mayor in Toronto and they have to run these messages. And I thought, oh, there might be something there, um, you know, in terms of the hate speech laws. But if the message itself doesn't contain hate speech just because she has made hate speech comments in the past and, you know, should they be forced to air, you know, commentary as a free speech thing, as civic democracy participation. But then again, I just am too aware that this is the game plan. When, when Faith Coley goes to buy ads in the media, it's better for her if they reject them and then she, she can make a big case about that she's a victim and she's being censored. So we passed, and then I was like, you know, like maybe if she she was crowdfunding money for a lawyer, and we we thought, well, maybe if she gets like a serious lawyer, and then she got like a very serious lawyer, (laughs) Clayton Ruby. It was a tough call, but but I still I thought, you know, we we have to jump on this. We could have a scoop on the fact that Clayton Ruby is representing her, but it's not like that won't get covered. So let them have it, and. No shade on the on the people who covered it. Actually, I'm going to throw some shade on them for, for a specific reason. I don't think that it wasn't coverable, right? Like, it's interesting and it's serious. That's serious representation. We know the game she's playing. And I think that, like, I would have run the story if, and the, what, I, what I told the freelancer who brought, brought it to us was, if you can get Clayton Ruby on the phone or get him to respond to the question, why should Bell be forced to run the messaging from a Nazi sympathizing white nationalist, white supremacist. And how do you feel about representing a person like that? And we actually get some sort of response to that question. Then then I think we have a story because just to do this otherwise is just to play her game. Mm -hmm. And then that's what happened. They put out a press release and then media showed up and basically gave her the opportunity. She just read her ad, the ad that they rejected and she was able to get it on the media for free, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about it now just because I, you know, like, I don't know. I'm kind of putting it out there because I'm curious. I want to get in a moment your thoughts on whether or not we made the right call. But before I do, I want to play you something that uh, Jonathan Goldsby, our news editor, uh, dug up, which is, um, you know, Clayton Ruby might be representing Faith Goldie right now. They didn't always get along so well. This is an old Sun News clip of when um, Faith Goldie was uh, chasing Clayton Ruby to get comment on the case of Ben Levin, who was this uh, liberal affiliated figure who was brought up on child porn charges. Mm-hmm. Provided any sort of explanation as to why these charges would have arised in the first place? Yes, he said you did it. It was all your fault. You're the one. I, I'm sorry, I don't take child porn uh, uh, charges very lightly. I, I don't see why you would even uh, make a joke about it, to be frank, Mr. Because Ruby. Because there's a court order prohibiting any publication of what went on in court today, as you know, because you're not an amateur. You're a professional, so you should act like one. That's the weirdest interview clip I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Like on both accounts. I just wanted to play that clip. Holy. He berates her uh, repeatedly. Like, why are you like playing this theatrical role that you're the intrepid reporter who's going to get answers and I'm running away from you? You know, I can't talk about this Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't. This is stupid. He's even like in his way respectful. It's almost like he's, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt that she knows about how legal procedure operates. 
I'm not sure that he, like, I think he's calling her an amateur in a very skillful and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a so, good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I kind of love that clip for his candor of just, mm-hmm. you know, like breaking through the kind of ways that people talk in these situations. Like, well, as you know, my client, you know, you know, you did it. <laughs> he said that you did it. He said, you're the one. It's a funny dude. I, I would love to know. I would love the answer to that question that we tried to ask him. I would love to know what, you know, cause like. I, it's it's of some interest, this question of Bell's, and you know, kind of kudos for Bell, which is something I don't think I've ever said before. They said, we believe that we have the right to refuse advertising that contravenes our standards. That's what Bell said. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell yeah. You know, like, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Fight that fight. And then they'll say, no, you've got to play this Nazi sympathizer's political message. And then, you know, but I, I guess this kind of just comes back to a conversation I was having on the show with Justin Ling, which is like, we have to smarten up and not play the game when people know how they can game the press. They know mm-hmm. how they can get us to give them free coverage. And we don't have to give it to them unless you consider this, you know somehow beneficial free coverage to Faith Goldie, which I hope it is not. <laughs> what do you think? Should we have just, I don't know. I, I relate to the predicament Bell was in. And once again, that's something I never thought I'd say because they did cancel my show. <laughs> Rest in peace, Wedge. But at the same time, I got played by Fox News. Like I didn't get played by Fox News. I did it willingly going on that show, but I thought I could outsmart them. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, you know, like I'm going to be on there. I'll say some witty remarks. And How did I'll... that go? It went well, you know, the first time I was on it, you know, I wore a vote for Barack Obama t-shirt and I like, you know, said some like little jabs in there. Did they set you up as like a weirdo and then, and then, you know, well, like the thing you're is, entering into such a stage such a managed, weird thing. Yeah. slick environment where it's just, uh, I think I was on, I was definitely on like the least watched show from a corporate standpoint at that time, ah. which was that red eye show. But it's, it's interesting because at the time, Greg Gutfield, who, who has been nothing but nice to me on a personal level, yeah. I should say, he approached me to come on the show because he was a big fan of the band. And I was like, ah, oh, I have no interest in being on Fox News. And then he's like, well, I've had the Melvins on. I've had these artists uh-huh. on. Like, you know, That's and the I, show McInnes used to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was like at that point, like, well, I like those bands. Maybe I can figure a way. I saw Andrew WK had done it too. And I was like, well, maybe I can figure a way to make this work for me. Yeah. And then after a little while, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get ratings for them. I'm not going to do anything to serve them other than make it a little bit cooler. Yeah. Make it a little bit Give more a bit credibility and sand the edges off a little bit. Like, yeah, we might be doing this stuff with Hannity and all that stuff, but look, we got the guy from the swear word band on here and he's joking with us, making kind of light jabs at us. Normalizing. And I realized I was playing the game. Yeah. And I and and I think like you said, with Justin Ling, you gotta smarten up now. And I think that's the thing with Faith Goldie. We've always, like you, we all know this. We've always had horrific, terrifying candidates in Canadian politics. It's just that these people have never had the platform like they do today. And Faith Goldie's sure goal is not to get elected mayor because she knows that's never going to happen. Her goal is to get people to contribute more to her yeah, and to get her platform out there so she can bring in more of these kind of like lost, disenfranchised people with power, unfortunately, that are searching for something to go towards. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true that it's a money game, but I think it's also that she's part of this ecosystem Mm -hmm. of this, this carnival of, you know, like Laura Loomer got involved with her campaign and then she's, you know, getting photo shots with not just Doug Ford, but now Rudy Giuliani. She's playing this game and she's playing to, you know, there's a celebrity system in the radical right, in the extreme right. Absolutely. And yes, the crowdfunding is part of it, but it's also just like, that's the base. And, you know, whether that takes you to a larger audience and a career as a right-wing media person in the the United States Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, that's what this exercise is all about. And I think it's also about breaking up that soil to make your ideas easier to kind of plant. Yeah. You know, like it's the idea of like, well, 
I don't like Nazis, but Doug Ford's not a Nazi. And if she he's taking a photo with her, then maybe she's not a Nazi. Like maybe it's just people using extremes to label her when really it's like, no, listen to what she's saying. The picture speaks way louder than any of the actual evidence, you know, like the picture of her with Giuliani, like the, the guy that the guy that saved America after 9-11 and he's taking pictures with her. So she yeah. can't be that bad. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I'm not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Damien, you listen to every episode of Canada Land Shortcuts, so you know that we have duly noted where we note things that uh, need to be noted. Noted. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have one? Uh, yeah, I think right now the thing that I kind of wish that people were looking more at is this idea, and it's kind of what you brought up, but it's of distraction politics. Uh-huh. And the idea that right now, especially with the huge pyrotechnic display that's going on in American politics, it's easy for things to kind of skate through. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a journalist in Mexico, and he was talking about how the last administration in Mexico, the last presidential administration, had been able to kind of like get a lot of stuff that was kind of horrible legislation-wise, kind of not so great policy-wise passed because they were able to kind of hide in the fact that they weren't what was going on in America. They weren't Donald Trump. And I think that's something that also kind of happens a little bit here right now in Canada. And the idea that we have, if you stand up to the bad guy, you are automatically the good guy. And I think that's something that, you know, obviously gets covered here, but I just wish more in mainstream politics it got talked about. You know, like the idea that Trudeau's the great savior because he stands up to Donald Trump. But like if you actually start looking at policies, not much has changed from the last administration and, and certainly not much in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duly noted. <laughs> 
I'm going to duly note something that I don't think needs extra <laughs> due notation necessarily, but it's just sort of broken. And on the off chance that it gets slept on, I'm going to duly note it. I mean, there's no way this is going to get slept on, but I just, there's no way. But in case it gets slept on, because there's just so much shit going on, maybe we'll sleep on this. Saudi journalist Khashoggi was killed within two hours of his arrival at the consulate by a team of Saudi agents who dismembered his body with a bone saw they brought for that purpose. The order came from the Saudi royal court, says a senior Turkish official to the New York Times. I don't need to duly know. Everyone knows this story by now. Yes, I hope. This is. These are our, our allies, the House of Saud. This is who we sell weapons to. These are the nice folks who, uh, you know, yes, they had that little meme threatening to, you know, drive a plane into the CN Tower. But that was that was after the breakup. <sighs> Holy shit. Yeah. No, that's a terrifying story. And obviously, you know, the, the Saudi royal court has a lot of terrible stories when you start looking into things that are happening. And this is where I'm going to be forced to bring this back to wrestling. The WWE is about to go back to Saudi Arabia for the second time this year. Right. To receive a reported seven, high seven figures amount of money uh-huh. to do what essentially amounts to a propaganda show for the the Saudi royal court. Like they actually work in political angles, get wrestlers to to kind of like illustrate certain messages that want to get across. And, you know, there's not really any sort of, you know, certainly wrestling media, which I know that's shocking that there is a wrestling media. And there are certainly people within wrestling media that are like, how is this happening? But it's not being picked up by any sort of mainstream entertainment or sports media. The fact that you've got a billion dollar American corporation doing business with a country where they're not even allowed to bring their women wrestlers. They're not allowed to bring their gay wrestlers. They're not allowed to bring certain wrestlers that identify as Muslim, but happen to not identify as the acceptable Muslim. There is no non-snobby way for me to phrase this question. Yes. Do wrestling fans expect ethical behavior by the WWE? There's been a huge shift in wrestling. It's, it's, you know, the rank and file wrestling fan of the WWE, I think certainly does not care. Like is, is wrestling woke now? And this is like a big shocker scandal. There's a huge independent wrestling scene. I would argue that the wrestling right now is like music was in like 1990, 1991. Like it's not the Nirvana is about to break and the independent, there's so many independent wrestlers that are huge. Like wrestlers pulling in. None of this can be true. (laughs) I swear to you. I promise you. I feel like this is my spinoff show on Candleland, Jesse. This is where I'm going to come in. I'm going to do the wrestling (laughs) show, but no, there, there's this whole segment of online people wrestling fans that are extremely woke and extremely like aware of issues of racial prejudice, the certainly issues of, you know, gender discrimination that goes on wrestling. Again, no non-snobby way of asking. No, absolutely. Please. Isn't the whole idea that it traffics in ethnic stereotypes? Well, that's, that's how it's been manifested here, you know, but I think if you go around the world, wrestling has been taken up very differently. I think Bolivia is the best example of that. In Bolivia, they're in La Paz. There was this promoter just looking for any gimmick. He's like, I put, I put little people in the ring. I put tag teams in the ring. I put women in the ring. He's like, now I'm going to put women in the ring, but I'm just going to dress them in Cholita clothing and Cholita clothing being the clothing that would be worn by indigenous women. And at the Uh time, indigenous women that dressed, and this is what I've been told when I was down there, women that dressed in Cholita clothing were discriminated against. There was huge oppression against them. Women that came in from the countryside in indigenous clothing were encouraged to immediately stop wearing it. Yeah. And Bolivia, I think, has had sort of an indigenous renaissance and is embracing, has had an indigenous leader. And Yes. yes. And this to- this actually does coincide exactly with Abel Morales's election yeah. originally. But this indigenous renaissance, especially in terms of the Cholita women, it starts entirely from this wrestling. 
from what I've been told. The idea of people seeing Cholita women, Cholita women seeing other Cholita women in the ring, fighting men, beating men, standing up to men, caused sort of like a, a mentality shift within the country. And so apparently, from what I've been told, it was out of this wrestling that you have this sort of Cholita indigenous women renaissance where now there's a Cholita women's fashion industry. There's Cholita women mandated to be in parliament for it to be considered an official parliament. And there's a lot more we, – we talk to women that, I, that wear the dress, that identify with the dress, and they talk about how this change all started from this sort of recontextualizing that came from watching pro wrestling. You know, in Mexico, too, they've got villains, bad guys that are playing up on the fact that they're Donald Trump or the sons of Donald Trump or, or related to Donald Trump or just fans of Donald Trump. And they're coming down and saying, like, we're going to build this wall and we're, you guys are you guys are horrible and uh -huh. blah, blah, blah. And then the hero, the Mexican hero, will rise up and stand up to this foe. And so it does play on on stereotypes and nationalism. But the way it's taken up changes greatly from wherever it goes. Wrestling's like any other art form. Wherever it landed. It adapted to the local culture, but then also influenced the local culture. Japan, wrestling doesn't show up till after the Second World War. And that's when a Ricky Dozan realized that the best way to kind of get people in to watch wrestling was to show Japanese people what they wanted to see, which is Japanese people kicking the shit out of the American people that were occupying them at the time. Uh -huh. So he started bringing gaijin, foreign wrestlers, Americans, and they would fight each other in the ring. But these people were only like one generation removed from real armed conflict. So they were really beating the shit out of each other in the ring. Terry Funk famously said in America, it's a shoot you're trying to make people believe is a work. In Japan, it's a work you're trying to make look like a shoot. And so now we've moved past that. People get along. But that's the style. And actually, MMA comes out of that style. Are we still in my duly noted? <laughs> I told you. I'm going to find a way to bring it back to wrestling, Jesse. I'm going to earn that taco you promised me outside. I said if you find an, uh, an opportunity, one opportunity. Duly noted. This is getting really overlooked by the press. Uh, so if this comes to, as news to you, you know, you're welcome. Weed is now legal. I've heard a rumor. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, though. We got a few more days. There is a lot of coverage of this as listeners of Monday's show with guest host Manisha Krishnan heard. The good homie. I love him. One of my favorite people. Yeah. She was wonderful. And, you know, she talked about all of a sudden there's like a section, like the Globe and Mail will sell you a thousand dollar a year subscription to their weed reporting. It's it's now the turf of financial reporters. It's now like we're just copious, copious amounts of coverage. And I have to say, as someone who, like, I stopped smoking weed largely because of anxiety, which, you know, I'm told that it can cure that as well. But that's why I stopped in part. The other reason why I stopped is that smoking weed meant, as a teenager, that you had to listen to these obsessives just fucking yammer on endlessly about weed. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like like the different strains and the this and the that. And like stopping smoking weed was how I got away from that. And now I'm a grown ass man and I can't go out without hearing people just go like, it's the same people. And it's, you know, then they're talking about like on um, this, like suddenly they're all scientists. The same way that like in high school, suddenly they were all really interested in like what, what's a cash crop and what was, what's, what's a, <laughs> the conspiracy to stop hemp from getting into our clothing, textiles. I'm like, why did you, since when do you were teenagers? Why do you give a shit about this? <laughs> and now I'm getting these, uh, you know, well, the cannabinoid is not psychoactive. And like, dude, what, you know, everywhere. Am I talking to, am I offending you? Tell no. me something. About this, like, why must I endure this constant barrage of, uh, why is this now part of our, like, if you want to smoke it, smoke it, eat it, rub it on, whatever, now you can download it. I don't know. 
I think it's for a, a couple reasons. I think one, we're seeing this gets hits. You know, we live in a media democracy. And I mean that not just media and, and reporting on media and reporting, I should say. I mean, across the board, like when I put out a new record, I'm competing for the same click that someone that wrote a story about Donald Trump is competing for. Yeah, it's all the attention economy. It's all, is we're, we're all going for the same thing. And weed is something that people want to pay attention to because we were all pretty interested from when we were kids. And I think those people that you knew back then that were really annoying with it, those people spoke some truth, you know, and now we're and now seeing like, that. Aha! They're, now they're, Aha! now they're it's like, taken 20 years. I, I told you, man, I told and now you. now I'm rich. You got to read the emperor has no clothes. Jack hair is a prophet. Um, there, no, there, but there is like truth to what they're telling. I think as a young person also, when you finally experience cannabis, that's your first time in realizing, I think for a lot of people, myself, it was this way that, shit, I think I'm being lied to by my teachers and by police yeah. and by society because yeah. this shit's not going to kill me. That's true. And, and so then you're like, well, I remember that. I mean, I remember like I, I, we were part of the generation of like, it's basically heroin. Yeah. Like yeah. Drugs, drugs kill you. They're all the same yeah. thing. They're going to lead it immediately. You're going to try weed and the next day you're going to be banging H. I didn't even understand that distinction as the gateway thing. Like, like it really until 13, 14, I was just like, drugs are drugs are drugs. Mm -hmm. Like it's the idea that there are hard drugs that kill you. And then there's drugs like marijuana that now I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. Smoke your weed. Um, <laughs> but it does. I, I'm also I'm a radical in my opinion on cannabis because I was completely like you, I, even more so like you. I tried cannabis when I was 14. And then by the time I was 15, I was straight edge. And yeah. which means I didn't drink, do drugs or, or anything else. I uh -huh. was like, I have no interest in cannabis. And then it was only like, well, now it's like eight years ago. But after being straight edge, well into adulthood, like at 30, I was on anti-anxiety pills. I'd been put on anti-anxiety pills when I turned 20. Always hated the side effects. Couldn't yeah. write on them. It affected my relationship with my wife. It, like, it, it definitely, I did not like those pills. And I couldn't write lyrics on them. So I'd have to cycle on and off them. So I cycled off them, went to Europe, uh, was in Amsterdam, could feel a panic attack coming on, like dealing with anxiety, you know, I, I could feel it coming on, but I had cycled off my meds before we went to Europe because I had to write lyrics for a new record. So in Europe, I could feel this coming on, didn't want to have to go to a, a hospital, which I had to do one time in Denmark when I had a panic attack. So I turned to my bandmates and said, can I smoke some of that weed? Yeah. And you could hear the needle go off the record. Like, <laughs> like it felt like the whole festival we were at turned and looked at me like, you? The straight edge guy is going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I did it. And it really, it opened my eyes. Like it really did change my complete perspective. And I was someone who, I would say I was more militant than you. I would be like, yeah, smoke your weed if you really have to or want to, but there are better ways to get through life. And oh, then, God. And then almost in an instant, I was like, yeah, shit. I don't have this figured out. And so I came back and I was like trying to tell my doctor, I'm like, I got this great stuff. You're not going to believe it. It cured my anxiety, no side effects, and it's weed. Yeah. And she looked at me like I was, I, I was off uh, my meds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's like, how, you can't go off your pills and do this. You, that's not recommended. And so I did, ended up losing all this weight just as a side effect. I lost about 130 pounds as a side effect. Uh -huh. I did not try. And then she signed my papers and I became a medical patient. So I, I do really believe it's not going to be everyone. Like there's a lot of people that are going to have no interest in this, get no benefit from it. But I think there's a huge amount of people in this world 
that have been scared away from it by prohibition, by lack of access, by criminalization, by racial-based police oppression, like all sorts of reasons. I've talked to people like why I'm not going near cannabis, that when we finally have true legalization, which might not be immediately, I feel, but when eventually we do get true legalization, people are going to find out whether or not a relationship with cannabis works for them. I buy all of this completely. Like I think the whole – and I, I even understand why having had that dramatic impact on your life and this incredible benefit, it would be important to you. Like I want to tell mm-hmm. other people about mm-hmm. this. So I believe that like I don't question that it has those benefits uh, and I don't question your passion and I applaud you for your passion and spreading the gospel. I'm fine with it all. I just uh, – I guess I have just like a, a, a very reflexive knee-jerk reaction like fuck off with all this weed, everybody. <laughs> you know? It's nothing new. You, you could always have gotten it. It's, oh, uh, Jesse. And I'm curious if it's going to have – I'm curious about the speculation. I'm curious about all, all the – like is it going to suddenly – like are people who had not used it going to start using it? Like, definitely. You think, I think so? Oh, definitely. I think also when did you last – you don't have to give me the specific date, but like approximately when was the last time you were kind of like engaged with cannabis in a real way? Uh, this this past summer as the – the market – oh, shit. I'm going to fucking <laughs> fuck up my own argument. The product looked so nice. It didn't have like – That's what I'm saying. Gas. Like it looked like you bought it at an Apple store yep. and it was like, oh, this is not going to be anxiety-inducing. It was totally wonderful. I was curious about this uh, – fuck. All right. I guess I have to <laughs> smoke weed all the time now. Well, but I think that's the – the thing is like when I stopped smoking cannabis the first time – it was like the mid '90s, and there were two types of weed that I had access to. There was, there was cess, uh, which was grown outside, and hydro, which yeah. was grown inside, which looked a lot nicer. And then there was one guy who claimed that he sold weed laced with cocaine. He called it cocoa puffs, but now in retrospect, I realize it was just very trichome covered. And there was another guy that claimed that his cannabis was laced with heroin because it would just put you out to sleep. Uh-huh. In retrospect, I realized that was probably just very strong cannabis. But that was you realize that those drugs are much more expensive and people totally like who would like, oh, I'm going to put this thing that costs hundreds of dollars on this thing that costs five (laughs) dollars. Don't eat that hamburger. They might have put some foie gras in there. (laughs) (laughs) They hide it. (laughs) They're they're trying to sneak it in there for you. So but when I stopped, it was that. And then I'm coming back to it. There's extracts. There's like it's so dialed in now. And so like, all right, all right, we're all at right, the new right. frontier. But I think the thing is that I'm concerned about is that you don't necessarily hear these stories. What you're hearing right now is how much money we're going to make. How do we keep this away from children? Yeah. And how do we control this market? And those are, you know, you do hear occasionally other pieces coming out, people talking about how this is a, an amazing, and I definitely support this, opportunity to kind of reexamine how justice is administered in society and hopefully leads to a larger discussion about complete legalization. No, there's all kinds of interesting angles. You know, we were talking about this years ago, you know, how to take an industry away from, you know, uh, disenfranchised people and, and give it to Julian Fantino. Like, there, there are things worth covering about this. Um, but that's the thing. That's not being, I don't think that's being covered in the way it should. No, the money is where it's at. The, the money's, money's where it's at. Too. And yeah. the people that like, if this was any other, if this was like, you know, timber, or if we're talking about oil, or if we're talking about any other resource, water, there would be huge concerns about the fact that we have a lot of people in the government invested in cannabis. Yeah. You know, and that like CFOs and CEOs of some the of these cannabis issues. companies have direct, direct relationships to the Liberal Party. And this is kind of what's happening in front of our eyes. But I think because it's cannabis, and like you said, you know, people are, are people that are sick of it. There's a little bit of cannabis fatigue from some people like yourself. And there's other people like myself that just sound like we're pariahs for this plant, you know? So I think the messaging is kind of getting lost. Okay. All right. <laughs> You've got to smoke sometime. I'm going to take you, I can take you a whole world. <laughs> 
Damien Abraham, that is your Candleland Shortcuts. It was a real pleasure chatting with this you. This has been an honor. Like, I really feel like getting to come on this show all these years, having been inspired by you as a student journalist, that this is like a, a bucket list moment for me, Jesse. You're just making fun of me now. No, I'm not, dude. Punch changed my life. We're going to talk about it on your podcast. Oh, yeah. Is and then I'm going to make you reissue it as a book. Okay. <laughs> We're going to stay in the studio, and then I'm going to do Damien's podcast. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. Damien, where can people find you? I'm on various forms of social media at Left for Damien, and you can find Turn It a Punk on iTunes and Fucked Up's Got a New Record that's available if you are looking for it. Our website is canadalandshow.com. We're posting new stories there all the time. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. There's a new episode of Oppo out this week, and it's so good. Listen to this interesting discussion slash argument between the hosts of Oppo. Syndication of this show is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman, found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a campside media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.